Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! You off, tell us a joke about dicks In the mix you got the desk I'm telling you where it's at Stephen Gord, oh my lord Bowing down to bone bat Podcasting your asses in nerdy massive classes Speak the speak of the geek To all the internet masses Take your glasses off the set I'm dropping bombs on your dome In your home Pull your bootstraps up It's time to burn chrome Dirty jokes from the nerdy blokes Chewing on them curvy loads Of that quirky counterculture Wrapped up in their wordy show B-movie holy men Wombat metalhead Politics, amen Independent artist friend Renaissance guy of the full fan spectrum Nonchalant notables break through the bedlam of bullshit Quick wit, crickets of the populace Vulcan with some Romulus Rolling prime like Optimus selection for a group of drunken reprobates.
Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 203 of the Bone Bad Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? Oh, my God. Are we there yet, Steve? Are we there yet? We're almost there. It's almost time for the 2022 Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. In 2022. Yeah. <laughs> I said that. Yes. I know. I didn't. It just felt On like it needed a little uh at the end. May 7th at Sif Cinema Uptown. Yeah, we're getting really close. So close we can smell the gore. <laughs> Duh. That's right. Uh, you know, we opened the show, Gord, with the theme from the comedy of horrors created by Lester T. Ra and the Pine Box Boys, Cthulhu Photogen. Oh, it'd be great if we could that. ever see those guys again, huh, Steve? We're going to see them in two what? weeks. What? God, this is a cheesy Come episode. Come to Seattle. They're going to they're gonna play awesome music for us. Really looking forward to it. Not only that, we've got interviews with the directors of both of our features for this year in this very episode. We're going to be speaking to Ken Arnold regarding Comedy of Horrors Volume 1, no relation, and Pierce Barrelsheimer of Crabs. Also no relation, but we don't That's need to say that. That's going to be awesome. I like how you've been saying, Seattle, we've got crabs, and we're going to give them to you. Well, that's right. <laughs> we got crabs. I, I, I feel like you've been working that pretty hard. <laughs> I have. I'm going to share the crabs we got with as many people as I can, as long as they buy a ticket. <laughs> right. So uh, we're going to have that. We're going to have some cool music from some of the shorts that we are featuring in the festival this year. So we've got some fun stuff lined up for you. Uh couple of uh, business items. So tickets are on sale now via our Square site. So just go to BoneBat.com and click on the big shiny red candy-like button and you will find yourself knee-deep in tickets in no time. Uh, additionally, on social media, we are featuring a trailer of the day. So every single day you're seeing uh, a trailer of one of our shorts that are going to be featured at the film festival now. Trying to keep things spoiler-free here. So a few of these shorts are actually available online to watch in full, but we're only showing the trailers at this time so that you can go to the festival and get the full, unfettered, unspoiled experience. How, how about that, Gord? You want it to be a surprise. I don't you even do. watch trailers myself. I, I, as soon as I see enough of something to go, yeah, I want that, <laughs> I just completely disengage from any mention of it, any any video, any sightings, any discussion. I will knife people in the street that I hear talking about the things I want to watch. That's how I am. But I realize I'm not like everyone else. Right. So go to bonebat.com now and order your tickets to join us May 7th at Civ Cinema Uptown. Uh, again, starts at 1 p.m. We've got 11 hours of entertainment for you. Two Oof. full features, 38 shorts from around the world, and, of course, the Pine Box Boys. So it's going to be a lot of entertainment in one place. All you have to do is sit back and soak it all up. And it's yeah. been too long since you have immersed yourself in giggles and gore. Yeah, it has. I mean, you had to do it virtually. You had virtual giggles. You had some, you know, internet gore. It's just not the same thing. It's, it's not the same. You as... need to be cheek to jowl, shoulder to shoulder. Right. Mm. Get that crowd energy. It's going to be good. I'm really looking forward to it. Just seeing these kind of shorts, the scares, the laughs with a live crowd again, it's going to be so much fun. Right on. Yeah. So first, though. What we always do about this time, Gord. Steve. What pisses you off, man? I'll tell you what pisses me off. Adobe products. Products <laughs> I pay 
good cash money for to use have been destroying me. First, literally when I was putting together the artwork for the program, which our viewers of our festival will have in their hot little hands, uh, I applied the Adobe Photoshop update. Foolish say, me. Say oh my God. Me. Adobe. <laughs> Sorry. File corrupted, could no longer open anything that had any layers in it. Not just, oh my God, it, it was a nightmare. Finally rolled that back enough times and recreated all my work for the program. That was ugly. And then, and I think it might have something to do with our film festival. I went to use Adobe Premiere Pro to put together just a little promo video for us, a little thing we're going to put out there. Oh, my God. That won't work either. They've changed things. Other things just straight up don't work. I'm familiar enough with Photoshop to know that, like, it wasn't working right. But I'm still such an amateur with Premiere Pro that I'm like, well, but is this just a new feature? Is it? Do I, am I not understanding something? No, I rolled shit back and it works again. So... Oh, my God. Enough. Adobe, come on. Get your act together. I ended up having to put together this little promo video literally in Microsoft Photo or whatever their picture <laughs> viewer maker. thing is now. Yeah, it's, they, I've used, I used Movie Maker for years. Well, they've killed Movie Maker. They're moved away from it. I think it's just they an did. online thing now. Yeah, but it's yeah, you can still use it. Like if you can go and download like the 2017 version that's out there on the internet. And as long as you don't like try to update it or anything, it will work. <laughs> well, I used Microsoft, I think it's called Photo or Photo Viewer or whatever. It's their built-in look at pictures software because they added a video editor to it. Interesting. Which is just like the old movie maker thing. It's really rudimentary. So our promo video, it it looks like it was cobbled together poorly because it was. <laughs> You but should. it's still exciting. You'll still watch it and go, woo, I must go to this film I'm festival. sure they will. It's going to be great. I, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely am. But for next year, maybe you should look at uh, DaVinci Resolve. It's free, and it is robust. I, I shall do so. Right on. What about you, Steve? You know, What's pissing you off? The thing that's pissing me off is just not having enough time to do everything. Like there's so many little details. I feel that, you know, the last two times we've done this, we did it over a long time and virtually. And so you had plenty of time to plan and there wasn't as many moving parts. And now that we're doing it again for reals, I'm like a little nervous. Like, do I have enough time to get everything done? And then on top of it, there's always the, you know what? I really would love another hour worth of shorts. There's some good shorts that we couldn't show this year. And it just makes me so bummed that if we had another hour, you know, we could fit those few shorts in. I mean, the next hour it would make me sad that we couldn't fit those in too. But it's just like, fuck, I wish we had more time. That pisses what if we me did, off. What if we did a film festival where we showed all the shorts we want to, but we just have to show them like on super fast forward? <laughs> yeah, like the way you listen to podcasts. Yeah, people do that. I don't do that, but people yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah you, you better not be doing that with this podcast. No, I just don't listen. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but I don't listen at regular speed. <laughs> it's like the second Pee Wee Herman reference. I lived it, Dottie. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know why. I'm, I've got Pee Wee on the brain tonight for some reason. It's that Danny Elfman theme. That's think, what it I is. I think that must be it. So speaking of themes, why don't we check out a tune? All right. All right. So this is from a short that we are featuring this year at the film festival called Land Graves. It is a film about a music journalist who goes to interview a band and figure out how they put so much darkness into their music. And it has this amazing black metal vibe to it. Uh, it's directed by Jean-Francois LeBlanc. And uh, I found out after, you know, we had already selected the film that the, they, uh, the band in the film, Landgraves, actually did an EP. So uh, we're going to check out one of the tunes from Landgraves' EP, uh, the title of which is Nacht Droglichkeit, which means afterwardness. Right, do you know what this is? <laughs> I don't know what afterwardness Apparently, is. Apparently, it is a mode of belated understanding or retroactive attribution of sexual or traumatic meaning to earlier events. The Germans, they've got a word for everything. That wow, sexual or traumatic. Those seem like right. So wow. Yeah. Anyway, that's the name of their EP. Uh, we're gonna check out this tune. It's called Orlock. Enjoy.
very special treat for you all. I'm going to read from my very favorite book. We're gonna start with a little tale called Welcome to Clown Town. What happened in 1988? Baker's dozen dead, heads severed, no real witnesses. None that lived anyway. I think someone's following me. <laughs> 1988 all over again. Don't you think this blood and guts, low-budget horror stuff's kind of obsolete? I was taught by a Voodoo priestess how to harness a soul in order to properly prepare it for the afterlife, and I've used those traditional teachings very, very effectively. It's not safe. He's he's puppet royalty, so he does not come out of the case ever. No way. Nope. Oh my God! It's really him. He's not a puppet. He's a monster. How are you doing the voice? Is it like a ventriloquist thing? You basic bitch! Ventriloquism is the scrotum of the puppet world. <laughs> I don't think these stories are age-appropriate. Morning, bitches! I promised you all a big surprise for this bachelorette weekend. You've all been poisoned. <laughs> you know that tingling in your fingertips? It's your nervous system shutting down. In case not everyone saw, there's only two doses of antidote. It's time for you to choose your new maid of honor. Come die, bitch! This is voodoo! It's voodoo, baby! Embrace the party spirit. Not a good idea. We're back, and that was the trailer for Comedy of Horrors Volume 1. And joining us now on the show, producer, actor, writer, director, Ken Arnold. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. This is awesome. Oh, thanks for joining us on the show. Now, a lot of our viewers may remember you from another film that we gave a Seattle premiere to, Night Watchmen. Yep, that's correct. Uh, the Night Watchman. It's been out for, I can't believe, five years now. It came out in 2017, and it, we're having a fifth-year anniversary screening coming up here uh, in the fall. So right around Halloween, we'll do a five-year anniversary screening. Oh, nice. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll get as many people as you know to it uh, from the film as we can if they can make it out from California or whatever. <laughs> we're going to do it here in Maryland. So. Okay. Well, one, one of the things that I sort of noticed between the two films is there's a little bit of a theme there because there were some some clown zombies in Night Watchmen. And then a, the, the first story out the gate is uh, Clown Town. So is there a reason why you're creeped out by clowns? Yeah, what, what is up with clowns in you? <laughs> uh, okay. So, so when we were doing the Night Watchmen, uh, if you remember the clowns outside of the school's Right. And they were, you know, people were seeing them standing in the woods with like a balloon or something and people were freaked out by it. So, yeah, that was like a real thing in the news. Like there were clowns around. Yeah. 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 And that's when I came up with the idea for Clown Town. I was like, well, what if we flip that? What if it was the normal people who were the creepers and the clowns were the regular people in the town? Sure. So that that was that was the whole idea behind clown town and i came up with that when we were shooting the night watchman <laughs> that's great well it all it's comes together because, you know it's it's usually something like that or poltergeist of course terrified everyone when they were kids and that came out that scene with the clown under the bed so yep yeah I mean, <laughs> clowns are scary i mean they just are <laughs> absolutely so uh 
you and Dan DeLuca wrote the wraparound story and then the clown town story, but you have different creative teams for different segments in comedy of horrors. Was it a challenge to keep the tone so that it all fit together nicely for you guys? Um, I don't think so. I think I think uh, the tone because we we uh, selected people who we knew their sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So to keep the tone and it was very similar to now, uh, you know, Matt Servito did uh, the segment Goodhead. But we went up to Matt's beach house up in New Jersey and we sat out on his deck and came up with that idea. Oh, now, okay. Matt. Yeah. Now, Matt fleshed out the script and, you know, he went and shot it with his crew and mm-hmm. everything da- down in Atlanta. But we came up with that idea together, me, him, and Dan. So, and, and so it was all very organic, creative process with all of you guys. Exactly. Yeah. And Jamie Nash, we've worked with a number of times. He he directed Fun with Berkeley, and um, you know we we work with him on Parab Normal, the web web series we did, The Night Watchman. He was one of the co writers. So uh, I mean, we've worked with him so many times. We understand their sense of humor. So. You know, that's why we went with those people to direct and write those films. Awesome. So and you actually uh, did you edit? Is it the Bridesmaids episode that you edited? No, 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 I did not. That was uh, Nick Tucker and Taylor, Taylor Hamilton, uh, both out of Northern California, as a matter of fact. Yeah, they're right out of the San Francisco area. Yeah, I loved that segment. That segment is so much fun, and it definitely has a different flavor than the two that preceded it. And so you Mm -hmm. did a nice job of mixing up the punches, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was what we were trying to do. We didn't want to stay too much in one, like, genre, I guess, yeah, so to speak. We wanted to, you know, have, a, a, you know, a possession. We wanted to have a slasher. We wanted to have, you know, voodoo in one. We didn't want to keep it all scary, 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 you know, monster, monster. Right. <laughs> yeah. no, and, and it works because a lot of anthologies you see do tend to have kind of a, okay, this is the way they're going, or there might be a through line between them. And so it doesn't have quite the variety that you pulled together here. In the final Goodhead, that's maybe the most special effects intensive and episode of the props joint. intensive. Where yeah, did props, you get yeah. all those prosthetics? Okay, now that guy is a real guy. His name is Shane Morton. He's a, a special effects guy out of Atlanta. That was his studio. Really? Uh, oh, yes. cool. And he he did the special effects for your pretty faces going to hell. He just worked on uh, Creep Show, the series. Oh, all right, yeah. There's a so, lot of great I, stuff in that. Yeah, so I mean, he had this place built out. Thing he had to shut it down though and move it all. It was like a museum. Like you would walk in and it had like this pathway that went 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 around. It was like a museum, and he had different displays all throughout his shop. And then it would come back to his main parts room, which is what you saw in the film. And it, it was just insane and intense and all the work that he put in it. And uh, he's just an incredible artist. And, you know, we love working with him. We just worked with him on our, our latest, uh, Town Called Purgatory. He came with us to Austria to, oh, wow. to do the work over there. Yeah. So that's a, another film that you have that's coming up? Uh-huh. It's called A Town Called Purgatory. It's not a comedy, this one. It's a, it's a horror western, nice. as a matter of fact. Yeah. Right on. Well, yeah, so. I've, I've seen you post occasionally in social media. You've done some Western work before. So uh, mm-hmm. was it fun to kind of take that into a horror direction? Uh, yeah, and it was really fun because, you know, it, it, when you watch the film, I mean, you're going to be watching it and you're just going to be like, oh, this is a Western. And then, oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nothing says Western like Austria. Yeah, <laughs> that. You know, it's a funny story. It's very true. Uh, we were supposed to actually shoot another horror comedy in Romania, 
And, um, you know, COVID hit and that whole idea went right out the window because it was a road trip movie. There were a lot of locations, a lot of actors, a lot of people, you know, crew and Mm -hmm. things like that. And we just couldn't do it. You know, logistically speaking, it just became impossible with lockdowns and, you know, COVID protocols and all that stuff. So we just couldn't do it. So we're on a Zoom with the producer over there in Austria uh, who we met at AFM out in L.A., and we were just saying, yeah, well, guys, we can't do it. And then just jokingly, we said, well, you wouldn't by any chance have a Western town nearby in Austria. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. And he goes, ah, I do. About 15 <laughs> minutes from my house. And we were like, what? <laughs> Next day, you know, on his uh, iPhone, he's given us a video tour of the whole place. It was amazing. And I mean, it just fell into our laps and it, it made it really simple because it was one location. It had its own hotel on set so we could create our bubble and everybody was in a bubble. We mm. didn't have to leave for anything. You couldn't anyway. It was a, a hard lockdown over there in Austria when we shot. It was mm. crazy. It was insane, intense, but we got a really good movie out of it, I think. So <laughs> that, that, it's interesting because uh, also uh, Aaron B. Kuntz who's the director of Scare Package, another horror comedy anthology, followed that up with a Western horror film called The Pale Door. So it's mm-hmm. an interesting trend. I like that mix of, of, you know, going horror comedy to scary Westerns. Yeah, and like I said, it was it was fun being over there, but uh, you, we couldn't do anything. So yeah. I was in Austria, but I only saw Vienna one day out of the whole time we were there, and that Inside was it. Inside of a Western hotel. Exactly. And then then we were on set for the rest of the month. So I was there for five weeks going, oh, man, is this ever going to (laughs) end? But it did. Yes, but not when you think. Yes. (laughs) You know, that's interesting, too, Gord. You were talking about X last episode, and I think that they doubled New Zealand for Texas for that film, right? Did they? It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I believe that was the case. So it's interesting the sets you can find in different countries to double the U.S. and the Old West. Well, nobody shoots Texas in Texas, I think. That's just... <laughs> Maybe not. That's I mean, rule. Hell or yeah, High Water was a totally Texas tale. Where do they shoot that? Like, New Mexico. <laughs> Ken, uh, mm-hmm. Comedy of Horrors, it says right on the front there, Volume 1. Can we expect a Volume 2? Uh, we are working on it we're discussing it we're trying to figure out um because we really didn't uh spend a lot of money on this package and you know to to make it happen we actually were really smart about how we spent our money on this and we're trying to figure out how to spend some more money and uh mix it up a little bit you know mix up the um the films, the the genres, maybe a little bit more higher quality effects and things like that. Mm, you know, so it's okay. going to cost us a little bit more money. We got to figure out a way to raise that money, and we're waiting to see how this does. We just released two weeks ago, about two weeks ago, and if it does well and we make our investors their money back, then yeah, I mean, volume two is on its way if that happens, and we just got to wait and see. Fantastic. Uh, And then one other thing I wanted to mention, uh, saw you last night on the premiere of We Own This City, the new David Simons miniseries on HBO. That was so great. I know you've done a lot of acting work, but uh, it was really cool to see you something tying in right at the same time that we happened to have a chance to interview you. Oh, the timing couldn't be better. You know, I just had Comedy of Horrors hit and now... I've got this HBO show, which is fantastic. Uh, John Bernthal, The Punisher, 
You know, he's in it. Uh, Shay we did a from movie. Walking Dead, yeah. Yes, Shay from The Walking Horror Dead. We did a movie. Very well. We did a movie together 20 years ago, over 20 years ago. It was his first starring role in a feature film, and I really? played his sub. I played his subconscious. It was crazy. <laughs> what is it the was film great, called, Ken? It's called Mary Mary. Wow, so, I gotta look yeah. that up. That's great. Yeah, I don't know Write where you can. See, yeah, I don't know where you can see it though. I, I mean, I have a copy of it, uh, and it's a really good movie. They shot it on 16 millimeter. It looks fantastic, and he was great in it. You know, he was he was awesome. Him and Sean Carrigan, who's uh, uh, you know a good friend of his, they moved both moved out to L.A. together, and you know they've had a phenomenal careers since that move. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, yeah, the the first episode was amazing, and I've been a fan of David Simon's work all the way back, like Homicide and The Wire. Mm-hmm. I've been watching mm-hmm. that stuff for a long time, so uh, had to have a, this new series uh, just knocking it out of the park, and uh, cool to see you there, man. Yeah, it's, it's where I got my start, working on Homicide as an extra many years <laughs> ago. And then I got a, a small role in The Wire. I was a day player in The Wire, and uh had had a great time on that, and then this came along, and I auditioned for it. I I auditioned for a few roles, mm-hmm. uh, some of the ones you saw in the first episode, but okay. I got the one. Charlie Gibson was the one I I landed. Uh, auditioned for a couple of the cop roles, uh, but they went to the roles that I auditioned for went to actual police officers from this area. Oh wow! So, okay, so they're yeah, they're kind of hard to compete with that. Yeah, they're actually police officers, so they wanted that realism. In the in the character, I believe. So that's why they they um, hired those guys, and they did a fantastic job. Those guys, you know, they're they're really good. All right, man. Well, as I promised, we've got one last question. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Ken, what pisses you off, man? Oh, uh, what pisses me off? I mean, the list could go on. <laughs> <laughs> it could go on forever. Uh, you know, what pisses me off? Uh, okay, so today. Right. I'll tell you what pisses me off. So I I don't know if you guys know this, but I used to play professional baseball. I did know that. Yeah. Long time ago. Right. And I go to my son's high school games and, you know, it's high school JV baseball. Right. And the parents, there are certain parents that just they don't shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. they're they're ragging on everybody's kid. You know, they think their kid's going to be the next big league, you know, sensation and all that. And I'm just like, look, your kid sucks like all of them, you know, <laughs> Why is JV? Yeah. I mean, it, it might turn out he turns into a good player, but I'm telling you right now, he's not. And stop tearing down the other kids. They're just out there trying to have fun. You know, so and just those types of parents around sports, youth sports, they, they, they've ruined the game of, you know, nobody can enjoy it. Two of them almost got into a fight the other day. Oh, so, geez. Uh, oh I mean, my God. Yeah. I'm like, really? Is this is this where, where we're going to? You know, I, I can't stand. I got to walk away from them. I can't even be around them. I'm just oh. like, I'm out. I'm out. I go. I go sit down the right field line with my <laughs> wife in a chair up on the hill. And we don't talk to anybody. If yeah. we can if we can avoid it, we avoid it. I'm just like, I'm not talking to anybody. I can't I can't deal with these people. They're out of their minds. You know? Yeah, it's no, crazy. I totally know. I used yeah. to uh I coached some rec league basketball. You know, my son was in like sixth grade. Oh, we need a coach this year. And yeah, you'd see those same sort of dynamics happen with the parents like yelling at the kid, yeah, why aren't you taking it to the hole? <laughs> I was like, come on. Because <laughs> uh, he's, he's eight? Uh, why is yeah, it? Yeah. Maybe he should pass the ball. He's doing fine. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so, no, I totally know what you mean, sir. 
So uh, is, where can, other than the Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, for our, our, no our viewers yep. uh, around the nation, where can they find Comedy of Horrors? Uh, well, uh, you can find it on a bunch of different platforms. Um, you can find it on DirecTV, Comcast, uh, In Demand, Cablevision, Amazon Prime, iTunes, Microsoft, Google Play, Voodoo Fandango, YouTube. So it's out there, you know. Uh, so after you watch it at what, your not festival. What, GeoCities? Come on. No, it's just not <laughs> on GeoCities. Not on GeoCities. It's also in Canada, by the way. It's in it's on Rogers Canada and Shaw Canada. Their cable systems up there. Right so, on, man. Yeah. So, so you're it's rolling been deep, is what you can say. Well, we're doing. We did all right. You know, we we <laughs> we're working with a new distributor, uh, Glasshouse Distribution. They're a small small distributor, but they're building and they're hungry and they're out there hustling for us, which really feels good. You know, because last time with the Night Watchmen, we signed with a bigger distribution company, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it felt like we were just, you know, a sideshow for them. Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like we were just another film on their roster. They weren't sure. doing it. So yeah, we sometimes hear that from like. our musician yeah. friends. Like uh, sometimes a smaller label can give you a little more love. Yeah, and that's that's what we like. You know, that's what we like about Glasshouse. They they're really pushing us. And uh, you know, I, if I need to talk to them, they get back to me right away. I can text them. I can call them, and I can talk to them right away. I don't have to wait or be ignored, which <laughs> happened with you know with the Night Watchman. So fantastic. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We we still haven't uh, had any sales, foreign sales yet, because they haven't done that. Mm. And uh, they're going next week, so they're going over to Cannes, the f the fest over there, and hopefully they'll be able to sell uh, comedy of horrors over there. Well, I overseas. Gotta, I have to say, Ken, I'm really looking forward to seeing this film in front of a live audience with a couple of beers in them. It's going to be a great time out here in Seattle next Saturday. I'm going to tell you, you guys are really going to be impressed because I saw it um, on a big screen in a new digital theater. And man, the image was fantastic. And the surround sound, the sound really jumps out, too. So oh, I got to I got to just give you some props for the sound in the in the clown episode. Mm -hmm. You freaking Nate, whoever was responsible for that, they did such a great job on the sound. Steve and I talk about that every every little quirky step and clown sound effect <laughs> i loved it that, that really made that short for me now that, that was uh, uh me and deluca put in temporary sounds for all that stuff when we because we edited the uh the film um mm. me and dan deluca and then we went to uh good friends of ours over at the uh, sound department here just outside of baltimore and they took what we did and they just made it better you know, that's and they were just amazing. And with with what they did, the Foley that they put in the little horns and the little and how yeah. they made them fade away. You know, the little stuff mm -hmm. and the little <laughs> the little fart sounds from the shoe and all that stuff. Yeah, oh, man, it was brilliant. It was brilliant what they did and when they did it. And, you know, we had markers for them, but they just made it so much better than what we had given them. We were like, all right, this is our idea. You know, and they put it all together and it was it's fantastic. Well, again, I cannot wait to see this with a live audience. It's going to be a great time. And thank you so much for sharing your work with us out here in Seattle. You're welcome. Thank you for having us, man. This is great. Uh, you know, uh, we hadn't had a screening out on the West Coast. So to be out on the West Coast and have a screening is going to be awesome. Right on. We're looking forward to it. I hope I can get out there. I'm still trying to figure it out. Are you? <laughs> I'm trying.
The only thing is, is that I I signed up for a fishing tournament like oh. months ago, right? <laughs> months ago. And that's this weekend. And my wife is like, you're spending all this money on this fishing tournament. And now you want to go to Seattle? I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah. But you can tell her you go in the fishing tournament. You go to Seattle. They've got a fish market there. <laughs> Bring a fish back. <laughs> I like it. Bring the fish back. Bring the fish go, back to Pike caught. Place. I caught yeah. a sea bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look what I got. <laughs> That's great. She'll never fall for it. She'll never fall for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, man. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show, and uh, hopefully we'll see welcome. you out in Seattle. All right. Well, thanks for having me, guys, and uh, best of luck with the fest, man. If I don't get out there, but it's going to be awesome.
Hey guys, this is Ken Arnold from The Night Watchman and A Comedy of Horrors Volume 1. Check out The Bone Bad Show. All right, once again, that was Landsgrave. And uh, following that, our interview with Ken Arnold. Thanks so much to Ken for joining us on the show. So, Gord, you got some weird stuff this week? Steve, you know, I did. I did have some weird stuff this week. But it is such a cute goddamn story. That, I mean, last week I did a story about the Easter Bunny getting, you know, <laughs> taken down by the cops. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it. I'll just tell you what it was about. There was a guy. He kept a pet squirrel in his house. And when his house got robbed, the squirrel attacked the person trying to rob this man's gun safe. The cops later arrested somebody who was all scratched up and said, hey, how'd you get those scratches? And he said, a squirrel attacked me. They put two and two together and arrested the man for trying to rob this guy's house. But I couldn't do it. I can't read you the story because it's too goddamn cute. It's all full of like the squirrel goes nuts on robber. (laughs) We're better than that, Steve. We're fucking better than that. Okay, well, thank you for looking out for our listeners. We have standards. You see, Gordon's never going to pander to you people. (laughs) And the real tragedy is I've explained to people like why I don't watch local news is and the example I always use is, hey, now we go to Sparky, the water skiing squirrel. And I almost did a fucking squirrel thing. That close, man. That close. All right, dude. Well, uh. Why don't we do a little surprise right now? What? Here, what? Do that. Do the thing. This just in, We got brand new music from the Pine Box Boys. As we've been recording this podcast. That's why we're not paying attention to what we're saying. We're listening to it in our other ear. So check this out. This song is called Ship of State. The zenith of fashion. You pull up your collar and you try to stay warm and put a hat on your head and you weather the storm. The bellows do swell and the clouds they do pour. Or when you sleep with the fishes, do you dream of the shore? Sit down, Charlie, for you tip the boat. Your deeds don't sink and your lies don't float. We sail. Special combination of smug and stupid. 
like a man walking into church unaware that he has forgotten his pants. Come to town, we carry axes And if you wait long enough, I bet the whole thing collapses It's cemented, First Amendment When they wrote it, they must have meant it Now we're pissed off and sawed off And sworn to defend it For those evil words I'm bound to allow But there is something that I'm much more fearful of now Evil will laugh at your jokes And evil will buy you a beer It ain't evil that scares me Once again, that was Ship of State, a brand new Lester T. Raw joint. And joining us now on the show, the man himself, Lester T. Raw. How you doing, man? Well, you know me. I'm finding the hair on a frog. I've heard that about you. <laughs> you know, which I, I, I love the fact that, you know, the audience won't know that we've already had this conversation. I've used some of my good bits before, but, you know, uh, I was in New York uh, uh, in February and, and actually went to a taping of the Colbert show. Oh, nice. And the number of times they actually stop and he has to go back and do a joke over again. And the audience usually laughs even more the second time because it's like, oh, he got it right this time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he told it better. Sure. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, it's great to talk to you. I mean, it's been so long since we have done one of these and actually yeah. met up in person. You guys were kind enough to do a virtual version of the Bone Bat Film Festival in uh, 2000, okay. which I, I got to say, in, in my mind, that made it feel like a real Bone Bat was having you guys involved. So thank you again for doing that. And thank you for uh, agreeing to come back and join us here in uh, one short week. You know, um, 
this this band just you know I, I i mean the whole event resonates with us just because of our taste but uh uh honestly you know you gordon the family i mean it it's it's just become something that that you know i mean we feel like you guys are family and we you know we just really really love coming up there for it it's just so much fun and you know us i mean like you know uh, you know everybody's still all wage slaves you know so like we go all the way up there you know we we plan gigs on the way up but We'll drive all the way back from uh, Seattle to San Francisco the next day, just you know, so we can get back to our jobs. But it's worth it, you know, to us to do this. Oh, th- thank you again, man. You guys always make it really special, and I appreciate that, and I want you to know it. So, uh, yeah, you know, well, New York, and you're coming to Seattle. Like you're world traveling lately. Did I hear you went back to the motherland, Arkansas? You better believe it. Yeah. Well, you know, my in-laws still live there. My folks, you know, my, my mom is from Alabama, so uh, they've moved back there. You know, she wanted to be more close to family and whatnot. But mm-hmm. uh, but having the in-laws there still gives me, uh, you know, an excuse to go back to Arkansas. And, um, oh, we had a great time. I mean, you know, you know, we'll do the family thing. But then Anita and I go to Eureka Springs, which is sort of like San Francisco in Arkansas. <laughs> okay. And we always, it, it, it's the coolest little town. We love hanging out there for a while. And, uh, you know, a bunch of just great freaks. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, if I ever leave the West Coast, it would be to settle, you know, in this beautiful little San Francisco in the Ozarks. Wow. Well, that, you know, it made me so happy to see that because I, I know if you're going to be Lester T. Raw from Arkansas, you got to get back there sometime, right? Well, yeah. And, you know, where you're from is the last place you were at, you know. So, uh, yeah, I have to go back there so I can keep saying that. And I got that line. I should be honest. I stole that line from Sun Ra. Okay. Uh, you know, he was getting he used to say, like, in, earlier in his career, he would tell people that he was from Mars. And then, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 years into his career, he switched and started saying he was from Saturn. So, you know, some smart-ass journalist thought that he could trip him up on it. Be like, oh, well, you used to say you were from Mars, but now you're from Saturn. What gives? And you just see Sun Ra disappointed, having to talk to another, you know, primitive human and, uh, and just going, man, where you're from is the last place you were at. <laughs> you know, shut that journalist down like just real quick. That's great. Love it. Ah, as far nice. as I'm concerned, if Sun Ra says he's from, I don't care where, Neptune, Saturn, yeah. you know, or an entirely different galaxy, I'm just going to accept what he has to say. Absolutely. <laughs> Way to go, son. <laughs> so you're coming back up here. Uh, did I hear a uh, Slade banging around in the back there a moment ago? Yeah, yeah. We got the we got the whole band in. So uh, you know we've been doing you know uh, uh, this monthly gig at uh, at a local club here, Madrone Art Bar, and we call it Apocalypse Sunday, the last party ever. And which, <laughs> nice. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic because it's a monthly gig. So every month we celebrate the fact that the world's about to end, and it's. If it doesn't, we'll try it again next month because we're going to be right one of these times. Sure, yeah. Odds are. And <laughs> I know. That's the thing. We started doing it right when you know, San Francisco began opening up from the pandemic and started, you know, and, and, and that was kind of like really our first gigs were, were you know, doing this, this thing. And they're not pure Pine Box Boys shows in that sense. We, uh, you know, we'll, we mix it up a lot, you know, bring in a lot of different material. I bring in a different, you know, guest act every month as well. Um, you know, just trying to get, uh, you know, some more folks some exposure and, you know, and uh, we've had, we've had some fantastic people, you know, come through and, uh, uh, and play on those days. And, and yeah, it's really just an excuse, you know, uh, uh, to get, you know, folks in the neighborhood together and, if we learned anything through the pandemic, you know, we really should 
value one another's company because we don't know, you know, when, when we all may have to shut back down again, you know? And, uh, and so that's really, that's more what it's about is, you know, get together with your friends and celebrate like it's the last time you might ever see them. You know, nice. we do a regular toast at the beginning and the end. Okay. Uh, so like we'll start off and the toast is, uh, um, to the end of the world, to each other and to hyper cockroach of the future to whom tomorrow belongs. <laughs> <laughs> we hail our new overlords. Exactly. And then at the end, and then the very end of the evening, we pass out the lyrics to uh, uh, We'll Meet Again, oh, you know, yes. like at the end of Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. And then we all, and we all sing, you know, that's the closing number. Every show is just saying, we'll all, and, and everybody in the bar sings it. It's so much fun. Oh, that sounds delightful. So, and the, the set is always different. It's a different mix each time. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. We're, you know, we're, sometimes we're trying out new material, but also, you know, we bust out a lot of standards, you know, uh, you know, sort of, you know, traditional jazz standards and things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we used it as our, our feast of three arms party this year. So we did sort of a truncated version of the album, but, uh, action in San Francisco. (laughs) Go get them Sparky. And, uh, like like kind of the cliff notes version of the feast of three arms, hit the high. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and here's the crow and (laughs) (laughs) pretty much right on. So what, uh, what we're doing tomorrow. So it's in conjunction with this art show that's opening up called personification. So this guy, um, Larry Shore, uh, fabulous photographer back in the seventies, you know, he was just going to every, every big show that came through uh, the Bay area and, and took these amazing concert photographs. So for this show, there's 18 different iconic rock stars, some classic rock, but a lot of, a lot of punk. And, um, and then uh, this artist, Greta Basil, she does what she calls cantographs. They, uh, uh, she takes like, you know, the, the notes, um, the, the duration of the notes, things like that, and assigns them shapes and colors and creates, this really cool abstract art out of, uh, out of their songs. She's actually done like a couple of cantographs of some of my songs, you know, uh, she, yeah. And, and she's actually kind of getting pretty well known for this stuff. So each artist. Yeah. So each photograph then is accompanied by one of these cantographs. And then what we're doing is we're playing each one of those songs. And uh, so we've been having to, dude, we're, we're playing and, and we're, you know, at first we were kind of like, Oh, let's, you know, maybe bluegrass them up or jazz them up. And then, you know, we kind of like, why don't we just honor the songs and do them the way they were written? I mean, there's still a couple that we're kind of doing our own way. Like we're doing talking heads, um, road to nowhere. And and I've kind of turned it more sort of into a, like Merle Travis with, you know, uh, a Bob Dylan singing, but Mm -hmm. you know, but most of them, you know, we're, we're, we're doing pretty straight readings of the songs and, uh, we'll do, we're actually doing Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. Oh, wow. uh, I, okay. I've got a bunch. I, I've got a bunch of cigarette lighters that uh, that I'm going to be passing out to the audience <laughs> before we do it, because everybody's got man, you yeah, got to hold, hold your lighter, lighter up, one, sure. You know? Yeah, but also what I, I, I'm kind of excited. Uh, you know, last night I was out at DNA Lounge and uh, was hanging out with Jella Biafra, and you know I've been really you know talking to him for a while. Yeah, and I've been talking to him for a while about dudes like we're going to be. Uh, you know, playing California Uber Alice, you know, and, and, and so I, I should say the guest act for uh, tomorrow is Christine Young from New York. I don't know if you've heard her before uh, or if your audience has Christine, that's with two E's young. She's like this manic punk rock Kate Bush. She is friggin' phenomenal. I mean, she flew out just for the show. And uh, um, 
you know, we, we, we helped to get a show over at DNA lounge, uh, last night. And so that's, you know, Jello's good friends with her. So that's why, uh, you know, we were chatting, but you know, uh, you know, I told her, I was like, well, look, you know, and I've been saying, I was like, well, look, you know, you're going to come out, you know, for Christine's show with us on Sunday. Seems like it'd be a missed opportunity if you're there and we're playing California Uber Alice, you know, <laughs> that uh, you don't get up on stage, you know? And then last night he was still kind of like, well, I'm coming, but I don't know if I'm going to get up on stage. And I'm like, hi, Jello, but you don't bet your dollars to donuts. The instant that we start playing it, you hear us doing your song, you're going to get up on stage. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he'll crumble, you know. <laughs> you know, this is an interesting sort of coming full circle thing because Jello does the voice of a killer burrito in a short that we're screening at the film festival called All You Can Eat. Holy crap. I'm going to, oh, I can't wait to drop that to him tomorrow. Isn't that cool? Yeah, All You Can Eat. He's yeah, a killer burrito. All You Can Eat, yeah. Y'all have to bother him today right now. He's being interviewed by like, I don't know, some Norwegian or German or Dutch documentary crew. They're uh, doing a, uh, a documentary on Steppenwolf. And, uh, and apparently Jello, Jello is, a, is, is an expert on all things uh, a Steppenwolf. Not, not too surprising. Really? So, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, so he's, he's busy today. <laughs> so yeah, Kyron Reed from the UK is the director of uh, All You Can Eat. And uh, yeah, it's very cool. He has a voiceover of this this mutated killer burrito. Oh God, this is so awesome! <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love how these things come together. I mean, you can't, you know, that's the thing about synchronicity. You can't plan synchronicity. That's you know? no, like the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects now, Inquisition. I don't know if, if your listeners can hear, I'm going to walk out of the hallway because they've already started practicing without me. But they're doing uh, Mr. Green Jeans by Zappa right now. Oh, nice. I don't know how good that'll sound to your listeners, but, uh, you know. Very cool. So uh, what do you got planned for our audience up here at the 11th Comedy of Horrors, Lester? You know, um, honestly, we've been so busy with this show. I mean, we, we, we were practicing last week, and uh, we got so sucked up uh, in working on this stuff that we didn't really spend as much time as we thought. You know, on on uh, you know on our bone bat plans, but um, yeah, there's some new material. You know, I mean, we you know, we got kind of booted out of the studio. We were working on the music for Ghost Project, right, uh, which yeah. was a you know a, a, a graveside quartet, but it was all like you know old traditional jazz things like that. And um, and so uh, uh, and now from the window, I can see our other guitar player for this show showing up. So I'm going to run down and get him, okay. but. Um, but we've got all the material for the next album, you know, so we're ready to go into the studio. Uh, we were, we were looking at Prairie Sun, um, cause they've got like these cabins you can rent and, uh, that seemed like it might be an option. We're, we're maybe going to do tiny telegraph, uh, you know, release bay, you know, but we're not sure where we're going to go record it, but anyway, it's, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity, you know, this whole little Pacific Northwest run to, uh, to, you know, uh, get some of the songs done live. Then we've got Europe in June and then, um, yeah, and then we'll come back and start working on the new album. So you guys are going to get, uh, get, get, get an early taste on some of the new material. Fantastic. Really looking forward to it, man. Yes. 
All right. Well, it sounds like you need to get back to practice, but uh, before yeah, you go, yeah, I, I got to go to work. Got to ask you one last question. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Lester, what pisses you off? Boy, oh boy. Let's see. There are so many things right now. Um, you know what's really pissing me off? Look, I, I have my politics, you know, and, uh, and I'm not changing. And everybody knows me, knows I'm pretty left-leaning. I'm in public education and all that kind of stuff. But can we stop canceling people that don't believe the same things that we do? Because you know what? Everybody's got an opportunity to say what they believe, and everybody's also got an opportunity to change their mind later. Yeah, that's a good you know, point. Uh, and actually, it's funny. This is something that the Offer said. He's like, yeah, you know, the problem with cancel cultures is it means that we don't have uh, empathetic conversation anymore. Yeah. So there. That's yeah, because you just hit the off. smart, the you know, smart this bomb. This is what most people do. The smart yeah, bomb. they uh, they don't do actual thinking. They just repeat opinions, huh. you know, and so, you know, we need to move beyond that, you know. Hey, everybody out there, turn off your fucking YouTube, turn off your fucking Face box, turn off your Twitter, all of that shit, and read a goddamn book. <laughs> Excellent. All right, man. Yep. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show, and we will see you in one week. I know. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing, man. I can't wait. All right, I love you guys, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll be safe, and you stay safe, and yeah, we're gonna have a great time. Hallelujah, <laughs> Hallelujah, A song of spring And to me you gave a song Lord, you know You made the night too long I got a heart And I got a cabin The door is open wide What good is a heart? What good is a cabin? If there's no one left inside Oh the mountain high, the earth, the sky. So who am I to say you're wrong? Oh, my Lord, you made the night too long.
This is Lester T. Raw from Arkansas of the Pine Box Boys and the Hollins and Hollins Mortuary Entertainment Show. As we always say, we'll be the last ones to let you down. You're listening to the Bone Bat Show. Babe, you gotta take a picture with this. Just be quick. Okay. Good afternoon, lunchtime, my classmates. Hi, Radu. All available units. We have a 19243, a dead whale washed up with a nasty slice in its belly. Oh, I sure as hell wasn't no shark down there. Yeah, I'm guessing not. Something's out there. That's for damn sure. Are you all right? Yes. yes. Reports are coming in from fishermen all along the coast. What are these things? Some unknown species of crabs. I've never seen a six foot tall crab. We need to call the army. And tell them what? That we're being attacked by man eating crabs? We have to stop it. adapted animals are now supercharged what can stop something so jacked up another perfectly evolved predator let's do this all right we are back once again and that of course was the trailer for the feature film crabs which we will be showing in its seattle premiere at the 2022 bonebat comedy of horrors film festival and joining us now on the show is the director and writer of that film pierce barrelsheimer how you doing man i'm doing great thanks for having me on thanks so much for joining us on the show and for sharing your incredible movie with us this is super exciting i'm glad you liked it (laughs) Absolutely. No, anybody who's seen the trailer just knows that this fits our festival so very well. Yeah, they're probably already standing outside of the theater waiting, <laughs> ticket in hand, getting soggy. <laughs> so well, I really wish I could be there. It's uh, It sounds like so much fun. So this is a super well-realized horror comedy. How did this film come together, Pierce? Yeah, well, when I wrote it, I never intended to show anybody. I just I <laughs> had this idea, um, and it was basically like if I could if I could throw all the movies that I love into a blender and put them all together from different genres and different time periods, this would be it. And I wrote it when I was nineteen. Um, I was driving across the country, and I just had the idea, and I pulled over and stayed at a hotel room for three days, and and turned out a terrible first draft. And yeah, never intended to show it to anybody until I had sort of gotten far enough in my career that somebody might actually take a risk on this type of movie. And then when it came time to actually, you know, make my first feature, I started going to, into production on this. This other movie it was like a possession movie and it just didn't feel right. I'm like, you know, if I've got one shot to make a film, this is the one I really want to make. And I don't know how to do it, but, you know, screw it. Let's try it. And uh, seven years later, here we are. <laughs> Wow, so it took seven Jeez. years to pull the film together? Yeah, yeah. The longest part was VFX uh, for okay, our final sure. fight scene. 
because I had no idea how to do that. And so it was basically everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, and I, you know, we did some of the posts in Vietnam and then we brought it back to the U S. So I lived in Vietnam for about nine months overseeing post-production on it. And, uh, and yeah, it's just a, a piecemeal trying to make every shot work. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about crabs so much is that your cast has tremendous chemistry. They are such likable people to spend 90 minutes with. Did Thank you, you work with these actors before or did you just find them through the casting process? No, I, I never worked with any of them before. And that's a huge compliment because if there's anything in the movie that I'm proud of, it's the casting. Like I lucked out, you know, and I, I had heard horror stories about, you know, difficult actors to work with. And every single one of our actors was, they were incredible. I mean, the chemistry between them was great and there was no drama on set. And, and just the way that they worked was it was amazing to watch. And as a first time director, I mean, that's like the dream. I mean, it was, I had like the Cadillac experience working with actors. They just, yeah, they were, they were amazing. And that was my favorite part of being on set and working on this film was, was working with all of them. They were just spectacular. I remember the first time I watched the movie, I just came away from it with the most enormous smile on my face. Cause like that, this movie just makes you feel good. And it has the giggles and gore and all of the things that we love in a film. Yeah, it, it does. It hits all all the right notes. Except I gotta say, sir, your your horseshoe crabs are villains. What do you have against horseshoe crabs? <laughs> Nothing. I, I I love them honestly. The way I, I grew up going down to Georgia, the shells are all over the beach, and if you flip them over, they're terrifying looking. But they're totally <laughs> completely harmless. So there's something that I thought was super you know horror centric and ironic about having this harmless creature that looks terrifying actually be terrifying it's like the bunny in monty python and the holy grail right <laughs> sure. like I, I wanted to do a whole movie that was sort of like that like these super harmless slow animals like one day are just now evil <laughs> and powerful <laughs> behind the horseshoe crab it is the horseshoe crab <laughs> yeah <laughs> so this was your first time out of the gate with the movie what was it like getting financing for this? How did you line up financing for a movie, first-time director, about a completely harmless animal that's the monster? Over the years, we've heard such tales of how independent films get made. It's always a different journey for each crew, you know what I mean? Oh, totally, yeah. I, I was in an incredibly lucky place where I've been telling people, everybody that I could possibly meet, uh, that I want to make movies since I was about 10 years old. And so at every family gathering, friend gathering, parents of friends, friends of friends, everybody, I'm like, I'm a, I want to make movies. And so when it finally came time to ask people for money, they'd been prepped for like, you know, 15, 20 years. You were <laughs> so, playing the long game. <laughs> yeah. So it made a lot of sense by the time I finally was like, Hey, I'm actually going to do this. They're like, Oh, okay, we'll, we'll chip in some, some money. And then, um, I'm actually, I was really fortunate. My great grandfather left me a little bit of money that was either going to go to my education or a business. And I decided instead of going to film school that I would put it towards my first feature and sort of learn on the job. And I had done, I had produced some movies beforehand, but this was the first one that I had any real stake in. That was sort of the initial seed financing so that we could then get more money because <laughs> it definitely wasn't enough for the budget. But yeah, I was I was incredibly fortunate to be able to do that. 
the seaside town where you shot this is almost a character in and of itself. It's just a beautiful, charming place to feature a film. Like, did you know exactly where you wanted to shoot this or was the location search arduous? Oh, yeah. No, I... I wrote the movie specifically for Mendocino and Fort Bragg. Um, okay. My, okay, cool. my, my mom lives up there now and my grandmother used to live there. And so we used to, you know, my family would go up and visit. And so I had all the locations in mind when I wrote the script, but all the places that I actually wanted to shoot, we lost. So like we were going to shoot at a train yard and you know, the, where the, where the main two characters live was originally just going to be suburbia and so as we we're doing pre-production, all these places in the script kept falling through that I had pictured. And so we were scrambling to find new locations. And so like the level of serendipity and luck on this movie was incredible because the main place where the two brothers live, that was a replacement location that we found about two days beforehand. But the barn is like a, a ship repair or boat repla- repair place. And all of the things that were used to build the cockpit at the end of the film uh-huh. um, were found on that location. Oh, wow. And so, <laughs> right yeah. On. So every single part of that cockpit was found in that barn. That was a replacement for another location. Cause originally the giant shark at the end of the movie was supposed to be made out of train parts, which doesn't make any sense. It should have always have been, you know, ship parts at a shipyard, but it was only because we lost another location that we were able to do that. So it's, it was amazing that it actually worked out. Yeah, yeah I just, it, that is a beautiful place up there. So it's always it's always cool seeing a place that you recognize in a movie. You know, like, oh, I know that. Oh, did you recognize it, Gord? I, I suspected it was California, but I didn't know exactly where it was. Yeah, I've done a lot of stomping around up in that that part of the world. No fucking horseshoe crabs there. <laughs> no, there are not. <laughs> you no mean Hollywood lied again? I know. The movie Damn it. lied. Yeah, no, they're East Coast and uh, nowhere near California. <laughs> Thank God, they're terrifying now. That's if that's the logic that people are picking apart, then we're fine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's Absolutely, give them that. Right. <laughs> right on. All right, man. Well, I don't want to spoil anything else, so I think we should probably wrap it up. But again, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful film. I cannot wait to see this with a live audience. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it's been amazing getting to see it with an audience. I mean, it's uh, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to have seen it with like a crowd. And you know, the first time we screened it, I was terrified that nobody would laugh at, at the, you know, the intro scene and the jokes and stuff like that. And then there was this enormous sigh of relief when people were on board with it. <laughs> yeah, well, in this, I, I have a feeling, because this is our first festival like this since pandemic, so I have a feeling that there's a lot of pent-up emotion that is just going to be in the audience that is ready to be let out with some giggles and gore. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's really fun. I wish I could be there again. I'm like, oh, I'm itching to go, but uh, unfortunately I won't be able to make it. Well, maybe we can show your next film, Pierce, who knows? That sounds awesome. Crabs too. We can do a double feature. There right we go. On. Hey, we've done it before. Uh, we did another Wolf Cop. So oh, we've, great. we've yeah, showed great. the first film and a sequel previous in this festival. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, that would be really fun to watch back to back. I've never done that. <laughs> right on. All right, man. Well, one question, as Gordon mentioned, that we always ask all of our guests here on the show. Pierce, what pisses you off, man? Okay, I've been thinking about this, and unfinished book series really pissed me off. Like, <laughs> I, I, 
Yeah, I've gotten into fantasy books over uh, over pandemic. So that was like my pandemic hobby was getting into all these different epic fantasy series. Yep. And uh, like I'm reading The Wheel of Time right now and I Joe Abercrombie and uh, John Gwynn. They're, they're just awesome. I'm just so in love with this this genre that I totally passed by as a kid, which feels like a such a shame. But there's this series of books by Patrick Rothfuss that yep. has like... <laughs> Name the of the most, wind. Oh yeah, we oh, read, yeah, we read exactly. them. It's <laughs> the most beautiful writing I've ever read. It's just they're amazing, and I, I those are the first two fantasy books I got into, and I I just devoured those two, and didn't know that the third one wasn't out until I was like seventy five percent of the way through uh, Wise Man's Fear, the second yeah. one. And then I found out that it hasn't come out, and like it's probably never going to come out. And now <laughs> that I see, there's so many fantasy series that aren't finished. It is just, oh, it pisses me off. <laughs> well, at least Abercrombie is getting after it. Yeah, that Abercrombie's still cranking them out. out books. He's doing the work, man. Because, yeah, oh, I just got so caught up cool. a couple of months ago with his latest hardcover. So. That, the Wisdom of Crowds might be my one of my favorite books of all time. That Oh, it's so good. Like the culmination of those nine books and all the different generations of characters, it yeah. is Oh, it's so good. That's so cool. You guys have read that. Uh, yeah, awesome. we, we love those books. Yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. Agreed. Yeah, Rothfuss, man. Get on it. No kidding, right? And then I, <laughs> I you know, the Song of Ice and Fire apparently is never going to be finished. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, too. wait till you find out about George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those aren't done. Don't tell him, Gord. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all done. Go ahead. He's such a nice guy. I don't want to it's ruin this It's coming out next him. week, I hear. <laughs> I keep reading that on Reddit. Oh, yeah. But that yeah, is like I, the biggest clickbait bullshit, isn't it? When will, oh, my God. Every once in a while you see a headline, George R. R. Martin's next book will be, and then you click on it, it's like uh, nothing. There's just, it's just there's a no middle news. finger. It's you what? fuckers. You got me oh, again? Every, every How did you do that? Months. I'll uh, I'll Google you know the door door of stone the third Rothfuss book uh, and it's always like Amazon lists it for July and I'm like oh no 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 <laughs> you're not gonna fool me again internet <laughs> I got so excited the first time I read that and I started like you know texting my girlfriend who had also read it and like oh it's finally coming out and, no <laughs> son of a bitch yeah. yeah. That's what I want. I, my next project, I, I want to do something in that world. Like, I want to do, like, a low-budget fantasy story. Yeah. I've got a, yeah, like, The Northman came out, and I was like, shit, that's exactly what I wanted to make. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not the first one to rip off that story. Shakespeare did it, too, so. That's true. I've heard that one is really good, though. Oh, it's so good. Have you seen it? I'm seeing it yeah, this weekend. Yeah, I'm no, seeing it tomorrow. on Sunday. Yeah, it's, oh, it's it so amazing. metal. So oh my god, I loved it. Awesome, good. That's good. I'm <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, right on. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the show again. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to scream crabs here in Seattle and give it its premiere on the big screen in front of our audience. It's going to be great. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having it and uh, for chatting with me. It's. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. So uh, what are you doing next, Pierce? Um, I've got a couple different ideas in the works. One of them is this uh, this fantasy story. I've got a Crabs 2 and 3, 4 
kind of. <laughs> uh, so it. if this does well, then you know I'd be happy to continue to make more Crabs movies, and all the actors are on board. I've already talked to them about it, so they're. Uh, oh, and the merchandising on this would be fantastic too. You think oh, about I want that? Little, I want little toys and stuff on our website. I'm like, I've already, I'm looking into it. <laughs> you, you you need that Radu action figure on your desk, Pierce. It's it's got to happen, right? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> Yeah, we, I have a bunch of T-shirt ideas for uh, for Radu quotes too. <laughs> um, right on. Yeah, I'm working on that. And then, if you like Radu, I have this uh, this idea that it's basically Steve Irwin versus David Attenborough um, <laughs> in a best in show doc, like mockumentary style. But Chase Paget, who plays Radu, would play both of them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that's I, I saw his coffee short that Chase made. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and I was like just shocked that he actually sounds like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, oh, he's, oh, of course he does. He's an actor. He has a he does a one-man show called Six Guitars where he plays these six different people and plays guitar in six different ways. And he can switch between the characters like instantaneously. And it is just amazing to watch. I mean, he is just so talented. It's I highly recommend checking it out online. There's a there's a YouTube clip from from his show. Will do. Thanks for the tip, man. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and then if people like Radu on the Blu-ray, which uh, will be coming out when the movie comes out later this summer, we have an entire audio commentary of the movie of Radu doing a commentary for the whole film. so he does entire commentary as radu and it is just as funny if not funnier than the film itself because it's just radu the whole time (laughs) it's it's great i'm so glad that he did it yeah it's really fun all right man well thank you again for joining us on the show and uh we can't wait to see crabs on may 7th yeah thank you guys Who walks in when I walk out? Who gives you that high baby? Who's it got jealous of you? And who walks in when I walk out? Don't you know that you're mine, baby? Who's it got the worm into? And when we kiss, I kind of feel something used to be. Every day when I get away, I got a feeling that you're fooling me now. Who walks in when I walk out? Who gives you that high baby? Who's it got the jealous of you?
in when I walk out. Yeah, don't you know that don't matter, baby? You got the world in two. When we kiss, I kind of miss something used to be. Every day when I get away, I got a feeling that you're fooling me now. Who walks in when I walk out? Who gives you that high, baby? Who's it got me jealous of you? Hey, this is Pierce Barrelsheimer. I'm the director of Crabs, and you guys are listening to The Bone Bat Show. All right. Once again, that was an unreleased cut from the Pine Box Boys and their music for ghost sessions called Who Walks In? Thanks, Lester, for calling in. That was an awesome surprise. The song we played after I spoke with him was called Night Too Long. We had Land Graves with one more cut in there from their soundtrack EP featured in the short film. That song was called Peste. So why don't we do a little multimedia triage? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's talk about some stuff. So now that you've had all this time on your hands, not watching much for the film festival, what did you watch? Watch? Steve, I don't want to talk about what I watched. The first thing I want to say is... You're brilliant. You turned me on to Old Gods of Appalachia. I don't know where you found this podcast, but it is consuming my soul, and I love it so much. Thank you for that. You know, interestingly, doesn't it remind you of if the Pine Box Boys had a podcast where (laughs) they told stories from Arkansas, like the murder stories of their youth and the creepy tales? It's so much so that I've actually had to talk myself out of reaching out to Lester and like going, hey, I know I've already posted about this, but I think it's something you would really like. So I really think you should listen. I suspect he's all over it. And did you notice immediately that the closing music is those poor bastards? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) So I don't know how we weren't listening to this years ago, but it's fantastic. It is a horror anthology podcast, and it is brilliantly done. Yeah, and it's set in, uh, as one might imagine, coal country. And it's a it's a horror. It's almost a Lovecraftian yeah, horror, not near the has sea. An eldritch vibe to it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and the the sound design is absolutely top tier. The stories are wonderful. The way they use language to put together a story or just to describe a scene is just so freaking good. <laughs> you remember, I think it's the first episode they're talking about coal mines in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And they're saying something along the lines of the earth, though, is a jealous mistress. And when you take something from her... She only asks that you die slowly and without complaint. Yeah. <laughs> and I immediately like texted you that line. I was just like, mm-hmm. fuck. And that's the first episode, like five minutes I say, in. Like, his words rattled around like teeth in an empty skull before he vomited them out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just. Yeah, no, uh, so And good. also it's scary. Like yes. it's, it reminds me of when I was a junior high or sixth grade reading Stephen King stories and getting scared by the stories. It's given me goosebumps. I have literally horripilated listening to this podcast. Yeah. And it's not scary in the way the bone bat show that, you know, it's scary that old men talk like this. 
It's not like <laughs> it's not like that at all. It's a completely different kind of scary. I want to make not that clear. Steve, it's not seeing Steve in the bathtub with a rubber ducky kind of scary. It, yeah, it's not Gordon being chased around the house by a rat for the fifteenth time. It's <laughs> I not do the like chasing. That. <laughs> so yes, old gods of Appalachia, wonderful and free on the interwebs. Like, go listen to it. What's yeah. what's stopping you? Why have Why are you listening to us? No, 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 fuck that. Listen to us first, but then, oh, yeah, right. Old Gods of Appalachia should be, yeah, like one B. Uh, I'll give it that. All right, but to answer your question, what am I watching? I'm watching everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> so I mentioned this to you in passing last episode, and then I said, "That's enough. I don't want to talk to you about it. I don't want you to know." Did were you able to go into it blind, like not really knowing what it was about? Well, I'd seen previews that I'd tried my best to ignore, so I did know a little about it. It's like a Jackie Chan movie meeting The Matrix is what it, what it is. Yeah. Inside a Rick and Morty cartoon. I think that's a good description. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, just brilliant and poignant. And, like, I went with Julie, and I, I think it hit her even heavier because they're at the, the heart <laughs> She's of disappointed in her husband. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> exactly. No, just that there's a, a mother-daughter tale at the heart of it. And so, you know, we have a daughter, too, and I, I see how that could be a very poignant story for moms, which uh, just is filled with heart and soul and action and it's pretty damn smart. It's got some filthy humor. Yeah. It's, and uh, it's got some wonderful acting. Yeah, it's just a great movie. It's really, really, really good. As a matter of fact, I, I was wondering the whole time watching it, like, is this movie too smart for the American public? Yeah, this probably. this is pretty high level. But uh, <laughs> it seems to be doing very well at the box office, so that's great. Yeah, it's got that being John Malkovich vibe, of just like a super weird-ass mm. thing that you're just going to like. Just go watch it. Yeah, yeah. No, all the acting is wonderful. Yeah, and let's see, what else am I watching? And then on the completely opposite side of things, I watched a really small, quiet, funny movie called Sword of Trust. I've been wanting to watch this movie for a long time. It's streaming on Netflix, and it's got Mark Marin in it, and he plays a, uh, a pawn shop owner. He's got a customer that, that wants to pawn this sword, and this sword may actually prove that the South won the Civil War. And hijinks ensue. It's not a it's not a big crazy over the top thing. It's not a typical Mark Marin like self hating vehicle. It it reminded me a lot of that movie The Hammer, where you go, wow, Adam Carolla can actually act, and he's in this sweet little movie. But um, when I was talking to Steve about this movie afterwards, he laid all kinds of heavy shit on me, like he's want to do. <laughs> I guess that uh, Lynn Shelton, uh, Mark Maron's wife, she wrote this movie and uh, and she died in 2020. It's like the last project that she did. So there's a reason to be sad while you're watching this comedy. Fuck you, Steve. Why did you tell uh, me this? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I'm familiar with Lynn Shelton because she was, you know, a Northwest filmmaker. She was featured at SIF a number of times, Seattle, Seattle International Film Festival. And uh, 
the news of her passing, it hit the Northwest film community pretty hard. So, yeah, when you mentioned that, I was like, huh, I, I wonder if that was Mark Maron's significant other, and it was. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know what? I, I want to see this film now. Now, yeah, now that it's uh, there's a real sad element to it, you can watch it. But you can also just watch it because it's a really sweet independent film. God. <laughs> what else am I watching? You know, speaking of. You know God. what? You've brought this down enough. I'm going to talk about The Northman now. Would you please? Christ. Yes. So uh, we went and saw The Northman, the latest film by Robert Eggers, who uh, previously did The Vavitch and uh, The Lighthouse, which you don't want to talk to Gord about at all because it quickly becomes tedious. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> The Northman I'm bitter. is like just the most metal fucking movie. It's... A Viking tale of revenge that is based on a tale from the Norse sagas that apparently Shakespeare also tapped into when he was writing Hamlet. So it has that epic, tragic feel to it and lots of battles and crazy witchcraft and violence, murder, mayhem. The only thing it was missing was a Monomarth song on the closing credits to really kick in the Viking cred at the end. That was the only thing I missed. Otherwise, I absolutely loved it. Julie, I think, thought it was a little simple and a little bit trite, maybe. But I, I loved this film quite a bit. I had a great time watching it, and I, I think you will, too. Cool. All right, that brings us back. Now I'm in a good mood again. Yay! <coughs> Vikings! Yay! Impalements! Blood by the gallon. <laughs> there we go. So I watched Bad Guys last night, which is a DreamWorks project, which is a cartoon for kids, and it was totally fun. It was absolutely fun. It's Did a you cape go to the movies flick. to watch this? Did you go to a I theater? I went to the movies. I took my wife to a theater, and we sat there. We ate overpriced snacks and... Watched a movie. Wow. And uh, you watched a children's movie. The I watched. The whole theater was filled with like little kids and then you. No, and your wife. <laughs> there was only like <laughs> us two and this one guy with his kids. And when we were watching the previews, something came on for kids and everything. And, and then the dad, it's just, I mean, it's just us in the theater. And the dad goes to the kid. He goes, well, does that look like something you want to watch? And the kid goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because that's how I feel about like 80% of the trailers I see. <laughs> I identify with that kid completely. Yeah. Oh my God. No, it is a totally fun movie. It's the same studio that brought you, you know, uh, Spider-Verse. So, and oh, really? Okay. It's the same. They, so what's they, the, okay. Give me the pitch. What's the setup? It's a caper movie. You've seen the caper movies. It's got references. It starts off straight out Quentin Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs opening scene. It's got all the Ocean's Eleven, all the tropes you've seen. You're going to either smile through it because you go, yeah, that, yeah, that. Or you're going to go, Ugh, why are they not doing something original? But it's it's a fun caper flick. It's a children's movie. It's there's there's themes of redemption. There is just the animation, the style. There's so many visual things that happen in this movie that just made me smile and laugh out loud. And I enjoy the shit out of it. And I realize it's not even remotely indie. It's a great big ass studio. You should still see it as fun. 
That's great. Well, I've been thinking that we needed more heist films for the kindergarten set. So I'm so glad <laughs> that this film has come out because kids really need filmed, to be taught it how really to steal. A need. You know, children <laughs> really need to learn that if they steal big, there aren't consequences. Like, is there a montage about safe cracking or anything like that? But There's animated? some safe, yeah, safe cracking. <laughs> I like the style that they do that they they lifted a little bit from the uh, Spider-Verse film where different parts of the picture are done in different styles. So like the edge of the car looks like shiny, smooth metal. It looks realistic. But the smoke that's coming off the tires of the car looks self shaded or, or oh, hand painted cool. okay. or something like that. It's not nearly as in your face as Spider-Verse was, but it's still a cool look and I, I dig it. Right so, yeah, it was innocent fun. So, you know, tomorrow night I'm going to go watch The Northman and just bathe in blood and gore. So are there any Skarsgårds in it? Yes, amazingly, Robert Eggers actually only casts Skarsgårds in this film. There's no <laughs> other families in the film, which makes it, I think, a first of its kind. All Skarsgård, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But where was fucking Floki? That's the the one scars guard that you want in a Viking movie, and he's like, ah, oh, I've I've done it already. It's been yeah, done. he's done I'm it. He's gonna, yeah. going off to he's doing children's movies. I'll let now. my little brothers do the Viking stuff now. I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm learning to paint. <laughs> I'm doing a Marvel thing. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, I've, I've been catching up now that I had the time. I've been catching up on the boys animated series on Amazon. Amazon Prime, yeah. Each episode, each independent little cartoon has got its own director, its own style of animation, its own cast. There's names you love in there. There's Aquafina, there's Seth Rogen, there's the Rick and Morty guys. And overall, they're pretty good. The first one was just sort of madcap Looney Tunes left me feeling kind of meh. And then I walked away from it. Then I, when I came back and watched the rest, I think I've got one left. I've, I've enjoyed them, so you got to check that out before the boys' season three starts up. Oh, is that soon? I think it is soon. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'm about. And that. then finally, I've been watching Moon Knight, which I don't know. I watched the first three episodes. It's more like Meh Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, I watched it too. I've. It's okay. I don't know. It's it's not. I'm not loving it. But you know what? That's like one of those Marvel characters that i wasn't that familiar with i mean i sort of know who he is but i haven't actually read any moon knight comics so i wasn't familiar with the story so i guess that's good in a way because i don't have high expectations but by the same token i'm also not blown away i'm not like oh is it friday yet can i watch moon knight like that is absolutely not happening yeah yeah so what about you what else are you digging on you know, uh, I've been starting, I went back and started watching Better Call Saul again, and that's cool. I just finished the first season of that. Uh, You're the second person I've spoken with today who's doing that. Yeah, really? Yeah, really. Huh. My kid is doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess season six is coming out or about to come out, so I uh, was thinking, and everybody's just talking about how good it is. And so, uh, well, let's let's go back. Man, Vince Gilligan sure loves a dolly shot. You ever notice that? <laughs> yes, he does. That That's guy, his thing. There isn't a rolling thing that he won't put a camera on. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> like in back-to-back episodes, he had a camera on a rolling jello cart in an old folks' home and then on a train coming into the station. 
It's like fucking Vince, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dude loves huh? a rolling shot. Loves a dolly shot. It's a lot simpler than the Michael Bay fly the camera under, over, around the thing, and then zoom in on it shot. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. Just all we have to do is roll the thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Don't have to stick it on a freaking guided missile. <laughs> All right, dude, you want to listen to a tune? I would love to listen to a tune, So I've Steve. got something completely different for you here. So one of the shorts that we're showing this year at the Comedy of Horrors, maybe for the very first time, is a horror comedy musical. From yeah, we've done videos before, but this is a full-on musical. That's right, with a score and everything. So uh, Jack Rooney's the director from Clark University. I understand that this was a student film project. And uh, his film is called Maneater, and is the story of a young executive who, uh, she is a cannibal, and uh, she meets a janitor at work. And the question is, uh, will she fall in love, or will she have to eat the guy? And it's played well, out both? with wonderful music. So we're going to listen to the first two songs, a Fanfare and Gotta Eat from Maneater by Jack Rooney featuring Maddie Thomas. Enjoy. Romantic. They use big words like please and don't. No, you won't. I have kids. I know you'll never eat me. Eat me. That's when the screaming starts. delicious but i've been to hell and back just trying to get him off my dishes his friend steven owned a startup online banking and a snap but now he makes such wonderful appetizers have you tried attorney's tongue or leg of landlord perfect in a braise if you're feeling rich might i suggest a banker bolognese if breakfast is the meal you're making you should try some thin blue bacon earthy tones of cow and bones oh 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 oh
we're back. And once again, that was Fanfare and Gotta Eat from the film Maneater by Jack Rooney and featuring Maddie Thomas. Uh, join us May 7th at SIF Cinema Uptown and see that very short, along with 37 other shorts from around the world. The features crabs and comedy of horrors. And of course, the Pine Box Boys playing for your listening enjoyment. It's going to be a great time. Again, 1 p.m. to midnight on May 7th at SIF Cinema Uptown. Tickets available now for $40 or $45 after May 1st. So uh, I've only got a couple of days to get tickets at their cheapest price if you're listening to this right when it comes out. Yeah. Get your tickets today at BoneBat.com. Thank you again to Ken Arnold and Pierce Berlsheimer for joining us on the show, as well as Lester T. Raw from the Pine Box Boys for sending over incredible last-minute music. You can purchase music from the Pine Box Boys and Lester T. Raw's Graveside Quartet via the store at hollandsandhollands.com. Uh, additionally, you can purchase the Landgraves Noctroglycite EP via landgraves.bandcamp.com via the low, low name your price option. And you can purchase the entire Maneater original motion picture soundtrack from Jack Rooney featuring Maddie Thomas, Lyndon Davis, and Mark Davis at Amazon. So lots of options this week to hook yourself up with many varieties of comedy of horrors music. Our usual bullshit, you can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. Bonehand.com is also the home of the Heavy Half Hour, where new episodes are posted infrequently. (laughs) You can find my stuff, such as it is at mightywombat.com, a new cartoon basically every week. I'm also over there on Facebook. You can find Steve and I on Facebook as well with the... uh, Oh, my gosh, we've got a, a number of uh, Facebook things going on. But uh, the Bombat Show, find us there. That's right. Uh, it's a great place to lurk. You can find sweet deals, uh, shorts that we aren't featuring at the film festival, but we thought are good enough for you to watch. Uh, new album notices from bands we featured on the show. There's a lot of good stuff there, so you definitely want to check it out. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Again, Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Festival 2022. Tickets available now at bonebat.com. We hope to see you there at Sif Cinema Uptown on May 7th. Our final tune tonight from the Pine Box Boys. You know, why don't we play a tune that the Pine Box Boys have played previously at the Comedy of Horrors, Gord? Let's do it. I think you know what this song is. St. James Infirmary? It's a classic, man. And You're a uh, classic. nobody does it quite like Hollins and Hollins, Mortuary Entertainment. I hope you and dig it. Once again, this is Steve. And this is Gordon. If you're listening to this podcast in June, you missed the Flippin' Film Festival. <laughs> have a good one. I do have a good one.
down to St. James Infirmary. And I saw my baby there Stretched out on a long white table So cold, so stiff, so fair Hey, let her go, let her go, God bless her And if the devil don't get ya Wherever she may be And she can search this whole wide world over She'll never find another man like me When I die, bury me in straight lace shoes Box back coat and a Stetson hat Put a $20 gold piece on my watch chain So the boys, what do I die standing pat? And I want six crap shooters for my pallbearers. And I want a working lady to sing a song. Put a dirty blues band on my hearse wagon. To raise hell as they drag me along Hey, let her go, let her go, God bless her Wherever she may be yeah, She can search this whole white world She'll never find another man like me or like gentleman Jimmy Hadley. Take us to the graveyard, boss.
We go to Sparky the Water Skiing Squirrel. Thank <laughs> you. 
Go get them, Sparky.